Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, the great, wonderful, and beautiful Rex. Hello, it's been uh, been a little bit since the last recording, I'd say. I mean, yes, but also not. Not as long as last time, to be fair. Yeah, to be honest, I was thinking about this, and it was like, the last time we said that we were going to hold off, but get back to it, we didn't. Hmm. Until like a year later, so I was like, I really hope that I don't say that and that happen again. Um, but that didn't happen again, because we're here. Again. These things happen, but sometimes they don't. This is true. This is very true. So we're back. Uh, it's been a little bit, like you said. Uh, we were supposed to have an episode in August, but because of scheduling, like I just got promoted at my job. So like I work 50 hours a week and I manage a whole store. Well, not a whole store, but like a whole department so like i'm busy i'm very busy mm. and rex has a job now yes um, unfortunately he's he, he's not as high profile as me obviously but you know yeah oh, shut the <laughs> oh wait <laughs> <laughs> i forget i can't swear besides that um i guess we can do a quick rundown uh of what we've been doing since the bonus episode and then uh we've got a mailbag question to read out oh interesting well i mean we've already talked about it but i oh, said oh, yeah. i said we would read it again um in the next episode so uh this is what happens do... when we're like was it like two months apart from the last recording was it so it's bonus? been two months since the last episode. It's been a month since the last bonus episode. Mm. So yeah, but like at least a month and a half since the recording or so. Yeah. Thankfully, though, we did answer. I guess we're gonna do the mailbag question first. Sure. Um, let me pull up the email real quick. This is what happens when you're not one hundred percent ready to go. And this is what we call the magic of editing. The magic of editing. Okay. Uh, so, we got an email from Doug. I'm not going to butcher his last name again. Uh, <laughs> Doug, he emailed us, what happened at G-Fest this year? Get anything good? And he sent us a cool photo of a of Mechagodzilla 2, uh, the 1975 version, his uh, Bandai. And a really awesome photo of his room. Mm. Um, uh, we went into great detail, Doug, uh, on a bonus episode where we talked about my experience at G-Fest and uh, Rex's experience going to trying to find the film set of Godzilla and Kong sequel. Uh, what I'm titling now, Godzilla and Kong, The Battle for Earth. Of course you would. I mean, it's gonna be as bad as Godzilla and Mothra: The Battle for Earth. Might as well name it after it. Well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I guess we can start off with if we've seen any new movies um, since our last recording. Um, 
talk about that very briefly because we'll probably talk about the films eventually mm. uh, on the podcast. I mean, we've got a got a film lined up for this recording as well. This is true, see. and and we will get to that one very very soon. Mm. Um. So have uh, what have you seen? Uh, anything of interest? Um, last recording, um, I'd seen Invasion of the Astro Monster, I think, last time we recorded. Or was I yes. coming off that? It was, uh, from the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen too much in terms of Tokusatsu recently. I've kind of just been watching movies on and off here and there. Uh, let's see. On my list, it says, after Invasion of Astro Monster, I saw... Takashi Miike's First Love, which was, that was all right. It was a bit standard, I guess, for Miike. Just unremarkable. It's it's fine, but unremarkable. Gotcha. I rewatched Gamera, the giant monster, um, in preparation of our August episode that uh, unfortunately has not come to be yet. Yeah. R.I.P. to that. Rest in peace. Um, and then two days later, I watched The Mysterians, which I'd never seen before, and quite enjoyed a fair bit. Yeah, it only inspired Toei's uh, third, second largest uh, franchise. And following this, um, I ended up watching, of all things, War of the God Monsters. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, the 1985 um a Korean mash of Tsuburaya stock footage. Um, for what it is, it is, um, I guess, better than I expected. But, I don't know, not really my thing either way. <laughs> and then, after that, the next Toka film I watched is a personal favorite of yours and a new favorite of mine, it seems. Tetsuo the Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> a uh, very interesting music movie for the um un unenlightened shall i say yeah once you watch it you go through enlightenment um, <laughs> but until you and you haven't achieved enlightenment until you've watched shinya tezukamoto's tetsuo you're not a true Tokyo fan if you if you have not seen tetsuo the iron man New rule of this fandom, new gatekeeping we hear, rule. We here at Kaiju Conversation do not condone gatekeeping. However, we do we joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not too, but <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't going to be that on the nose about it. Ah, uh, these things happen. And then after that, I watched um, one of the common writer build um, new world. V cinemas or whatever they're called, the coming right across the new one, which uh, yeah, I heard that one wasn't very good, and yeah, it wasn't very good. Surprise, surprise! I know. Um, I'm not really a big fan of most the common writer movies I've seen, like the the ones that are like sequels or specials for the um, shows. At at best, they're like watchable usually but like i don't know some yeah the best even the best ones i've seen aren't too special maybe maybe i'm missing out on something but yeah just yeah this one was kind of not very good wasn't a big fan of how they uh uh 
Yeah. How they handled the show's main villain mm-hmm. um, in this special. And then uh, after that, it's not really uh, not Japanese toku, but um, I did watch the American monster film Tremors for the first time. Classic. We need, mm. to, we need to do that one soon. That's a good yeah. one. Quite enjoyed it. And then was there anything else besides the topic of the day? Um, well, I don't know if this is really... It's it's not really tokusatsu, I suppose. Uh, maybe like one scene with any sort of special effect, but um, just for Japanese cinema lovers, uh, I watched Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Cure, starring um the br- absolutely brilliant actor Koji Akasho, as well as a couple um familiar faces from Godzilla vs King Ghidorah and the Gamera trilogy. Br- brilliant film, brilliant film. Um, hmm. and yeah, that's more or less it for movies. Um, gotcha. at least relevant movies, I'd say, to the topic of this uh, podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, as for me, I've I've been busy. I've been working. Um, so I haven't watched as much, and you know, I've been working on articles and projects. Yeah, um, I mean, we both have. Mm-hmm. So, like, I haven't watched a whole lot. Um, but what I have watched is I finally uh, acquired and watched the sequel to Takashi Miike's Zebra Man, uh, Zebra Man 2, Attack on Zebra City, uh, directed by Takashi Miike as well. Mm. Uh, it's got a great... I, you know, I don't listen to a lot of Japanese music, but Zebra Queen, the opening th- uh, theme for that that movie is... Mm, it's great. I a love banger, it. You could say it is a banger. <laughs> it is a bopper. It is a headbanger. Um, then uh, and this was all in the same night. So like, I watched all my toku on the same day. Um, yeah. I watched uh Ryue Kitamura's Alive, uh, which was interesting to watch. Um, the more I watch Kitamura's pre-Final Wars stuff, the more I understand Final Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think the more I appreciate the film because it it becomes more and more clear to me that it is a true Kitamura film. Like, Toho didn't do anything to him, and he just made what he wanted. And it's, it's, it is beautiful. Hmm. Um, and then I watched the anthology film Ten Nights of Dreams. Um, it's like a modern... I'd say it's like the modern uh, Quaidon from 1965, except it's not based off the Lafcadio Hearn book. It's based off of a Japanese author's book. Um, and like it had uh, Takashi Shimizu, director of Juon, um, Kon Ichikawa, director of uh, Woman of the Dunes, mm-hmm. uh, it was his last thing he worked on before he passed away. And then it's got the director of Tokyo, uh, The Last Megapolis. Um, I see his name in my head, but I, I can't, I don't remember how you pronounce it. Um, but oh, they all. Tokyo uh, Jisoji? Yes, um, yes, him. Yeah. Um, he worked on it. Um, so that was interesting. Um, but besides that, I haven't watched anything. I haven't even watched any new like American movies. I've been mm. well. No, I watched uh, Too Fast and Too Furious. <laughs> uh, 
I've now watched two of the Fast and the Furious films. Um, I think for that series, I've only seen like the um, eighth and like the spinoff. <laughs> yeah. See, my best friend likes movies, but he's like, "Bro, Bad Boys is great. Have you seen Rush Hour? Oh, Mission, uh, uh Fast and the Furious is awesome." He's like. And I can call him this because he's my best friend. He's like typical Hollywood pleb fan. And I make fun of him for it because I'm like, this isn't art. This is a roller coaster. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, at least you're self-aware. Um, I mean, hey, Rush Hour is pretty based. I I honestly don't remember it. I remember one part and it was like, oh, wow. They really had Jackie Chan do that. <laughs> I think I know which scene you're referring to. You definitely know what scene I'm referring to. <laughs> so I haven't I haven't watched too much, but I did watch uh, a movie today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be the topic of our of our. Ooh, uh, I wonder what it could be. I'm sure the audience is in full suspense. Having I know, right? Read the title. I know, right? Uh, I watched 2008's uh, porno cleavage field. Whoa! What is that? Not what you watched? No, but I'm surprised you're finally um you're finally uh, covering one of those porno films that you've been collecting a lot recently. Finally, bring it into an episode of the podcast. You mean Cat Girls? That's not. A, well, I mean it's softcore. <laughs> and we will one day, Rex. I will make you watch that. And we will cover it. Well, I suppose I I put it on myself that I will watch literally anything. So yes. I guess I can't. Um, I guess I wait, can't stop now. So you didn't wait. So how are we supposed to do this episode if you didn't watch the movie? This is a good question. This is a very unfortunate and uh, unprecedented situation. Well, there uh, here. I I know a site where you can get the movie. Let me. Let me just uh, hang on, hang on one second. Uh, we can, you can watch it, and then we can uh, we can uh, get back to we're doing the actual uh, episode. Hang on one second. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Damn, is the movie really just as long as this bit? What? <laughs> So, guessing that Rex doesn't cut the entire bit out, we're actually talking about the 2008 movie Cloverfield. Whoa, I am shocked right now. I know, right? It's so weird. Um, The film is directed by Matt Reeves, who recently made the film The Batman. Brilliant film, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Which... Besides that, I mean, he did War for he did the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Didn't um, he only do like the second and third one? Yeah, yeah, he only did the second and third one. Mm. Um, he's got fourteen directing credits. He's the Batman, War for the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Cloverfield, um, and he did. That's actually it. That those are the only movies he's directed. He's done some TV stuff. Um, 
Well, I he mean, did Cloverfield the... was more or less, I suppose, his his first film. Break. Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was like uh, Gareth Edwards on 2014. Yeah, essentially. Except, yeah, except this was uh, an original property. Mm-hmm. Um, which I must say, watching Matt, like I, I watched some interviews of Matt Reeves, and he's like a child, and it's so funny watching and listening to him. What with how he speaks? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so happy, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you would go on to make them the most depressing Batman ever, <laughs> and Wolf of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's quite a, a surprising. Um, we're just gonna jump right into it. Sure. Um, I was quite surprised by Matt Reeves' uh, like vision. Like he had a clear vision, and from what I listened to and what I uh, read and what I've seen, he did his vision. Yeah. Um, props to J.J. Abrams for like letting Matt like put his spin. J.J. Abrams, I think, gets a lot more press than his directors because a lot of times he, like, controls it more. I mean, from the sounds of it, the general idea of the film came, was sparked from J.J. Abrams. Right, yeah, because he he had the trip to Tokyo. Yeah, because he was promoting Mission Impossible 3 and uh, him and his son went to a toy store and and sell Godzilla all over yeah and from there he was like I want America to have its own Godzilla and then yeah. not be Godzilla which props to him I love that I'm happy that's what yeah he wasn't like I'm gonna get the rights to Godzilla and make a movie yeah um so that was that was good to even though people were like it's a Godzilla movie um when promotion was happening, I'm happy that he didn't do that. Mm. Like I was really happy that they went and did their own thing. Yeah. I mean, hey, got an original property, so it's always good to see that. Mm-hmm. Even if, even if uh, the franchise has spawned is a little um, of an interesting case. Right. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, Cloverfield. And like building off what you just said, I think a lot of what made Cloverfield Cloverfield comes more from the promotion. Yeah, yeah, particularly with the whole ALG that surrounds the film. Yeah, especially yeah, especially you know Tigeratu and Slusho and yeah, and the whole mystery box idea. JJ um, mm. uh, Abrams loves his mystery box. He does. He does. Um, <laughs> like that's what made Cloverfield different because it's it's a found footage kaiju movie. Yeah. Something that has been done. I mean, there's a short segment in Shin Godzilla that did it. Besides uh, that, you've got the knockoff Cloverfield movie Monster from Asylum that released uh, in 2008 to piggyback off of. Uh, of course, an asi- the asylum did a Cloverfield ripoff. Mm-hmm. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> uh, 
And then you've got the Norwegian film Troll Hunter uh, from 2010. I still need to see that. I've heard really good things about uh, Troll Hunter. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I uh, we did a recording, and we both said we hadn't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. And I got a uh, somebody in our Discord server was like, "You need to watch that movie. It's great." And like that same day, I, I uh, ordered the Blu-ray off Amazon Prime, and it came within two days. And I watched it. It's pretty good. Mm. Um, but besides that, it it's kind of off on its own. Like yeah, it's, not, it's very different in the genre, and uh, I think that's what made it so popular was you know the promotion and how different it was, and it's really easy to get a hold of. Mm, yeah, I mean you can find Cloverfield basically any video store you go to now. I see yeah. it all the time. So yeah, very accessible. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, Clover was so popular that uh, I remember when Ready Player One was uh, coming out, when it, they, there was a leak of, like, all the different characters that were in it. And uh, I know there was, like, Godzilla, Gigan, Megalon, Mechagodzilla, King yeah. Kong, Iron Giant. Uh, and one of them was Clover from Cloverfield. Hmm. Uh, but that never happened of course yeah i don't remember seeing megalon in the background unfortunately yeah it would have been cool oh Uh, yeah definitely but like it didn't happen but clover was popular enough to be included on that list yeah you know that's something that would have gotten more screen time than in the paradox too (laughs) yeah definitely um We've kind of alluded to it, but Cloverfield is the first of what is currently three films. Soon to be four, apparently. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I checked... Uh, well, well, we'll get to Cloverfield 2.4 uh, after, <laughs> after we talk about the, the rest of the film. Yes, 2.4. <laughs> um, but you have Cloverfield, uh, then Ten you've got... Cloverfield Lane... Mm-hmm. And then the Cloverfield Paradox, mm. uh, which are in this like anthology. It's like Halloween, actually. Yeah. It's like exactly like Halloween's initial like pitch, um, where Cloverfield happens, and then we were promised a direct sequel, and like that was in development hell, and then they mm. adapted a script into Ten Cloverfield Lane. And it's like not a part of the Cloverfield universe, but it is. And then Paradox explains what it is. It's a whole thing. A whole can of worms. And we're only going to cover the first one. Good, because I haven't seen the other two. Good. Maybe. Second (laughs) one's all right. I don't mind. I I do genuinely want to see the second one. And at that point, once I've seen that, I will watch the third one for completion's sake mm-hmm. and for my boy uh, mr grumpy pants his little uh, cameo at the end yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but going into cloverfield mm. so jj abrams went to japan was inspired by godzilla yeah came back and made pitched 
the film to Paramount. And yeah. from there they got Drew Goddard, who he worked on Pacific Rim Uprising, did he not? Or am I crazy? Um might have. I don't quite recall. I don't I if if he did, I didn't see that in his filmography and and I'm an idiot, um, which Hang is on. entirely possible. So Drew Goddard, uh, he wrote Cloverfield. Uh, he's also he did yeah he was uh, the uh, creator of Daredevil and wrote two of the episodes. He wrote one episode of The Defenders. Uh, he wrote screenplay for The Martian. Uh, he oh, worked on Lost. He wrote The Cabin in the Woods, which I haven't seen, but I've been told that's a really good uh, horror comedy. It's it's smarter than just a comedy. It's apparently got a really cool like meta thing. That's yeah, really I, I know what I, I know what that is referring to. Um, I've I've never seen Cabin in the Woods, but I know the gist of like what happens in it. Um, um, and he's working on the possible upcoming Sinister Six movie from Sony. Um, is that really ever going to get made? <laughs> I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Isn't this like their second attempt at creating the Sinister Six movie? Yeah. He also directed uh, The Cabin in the Woods, and he also wrote and directed Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh. Um, so uh, he wrote Cloverfield. Yeah. And I mean, he did a great job on Daredevil. I think his co-writer is the one who did Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, uh, Stephen Estenite. Yep, yep, that, yeah. that name yep. rings a bell. So, you know, Drew Goddard uh, wrote it, mm -hmm. and you've got Matt Reeves directing, and then J.J. Abrams is producer. And, you know, J.J.'s done uh, Super 8. Uh, Star Trek. Star Trek, Star Wars Star 1 Wars. and 3 of the sequel series. Um I lost uh he's working on some DC projects. Uh didn't the Batman series just get cancelled? I think it did. Like everything he's announced with Warner has gotten cancelled. <laughs> and like what a moment. DC I mean I apparently Discovery's like really angry with him because like he was hired on to like be their new like creative mind and like mm -hmm. he's done nothing for them mm. so oh yeah I, I think I remember seeing people on Twitter like mention something about JJ Abrams being involved in Warner Bros for like years and doing absolutely nothing yeah like and it he gets really paid funny. for it he yeah, exactly. Part. It's really funny. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's writing a Spider-Man comic book and working on oh, a damn. Cloverfield sequel. Yeah. I genuinely do hope that sequel gets off the ground eventually. We'll talk. I, we're going to talk about that yeah. um, here in a bit. So, yeah. and, you know, as for the cast, the only one that's, like, worthy of, like, noting... It's is T.J. Miller. Who, you know, has some controversy around him. Yeah, yeah. Love, um, not the most lovely fellow around, you could yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but T.J. Miller is in this. It's pre-Deadpool. 
Um, yeah. I know TJ Miller from, uh, I I mean, Transformers: Age of Extinction. Uh, oh, I know. There's another film he did that I recognize him from. Hmm. Um, I think it was an animated movie, actually. Damn, you knowing someone from an animated movie? Since when? Was it Big Hero 6? No. The Emoji uh, Movie? Oh, he was Oh, he was in Ready Player One. That's right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, was Cloverfield his first movie? Cloverfield was his first film. Sure, you're right. He had done TV. He had done TV, but Cloverfield was his first movie. He was the only one that like got anywhere besides the director, writer, and producer. <laughs> um, but I'm looking here at his list of what he. I I think I recognize him from How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, um, he played like the um like uh, a brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Transformers Age of Extinction. I have recently watched Big Hero 6 and I recognized him from that. Um mm. I know he was in Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Um and then I'm seeing if I recognize any of his uh tv work like if i've watched any of it but it doesn't look like i have um mm. so you know you've got tj miller um which i'm gonna start off and just make this complaint i cannot stand his comedy throughout this movie oh yeah i mean his character's a complete a-hole too at it, times it's marvel comedy before marvel comedy and he yeah. doesn't stop yeah i wasn't a big fan of it there's only really one comedic moment that lands for me in the film, and that's like when the horse just shows up on the street. And they're like, oh my god, oh my god. Or I don't think they even react to it. it, it they just see it. Um, <laughs> and it's really funny. There was, there was one, I want to say it was at the beginning with uh, when they were like doing the testimonies. Oh! When T.J. Miller's character was trying to get with Elena. Oh, yeah. I was like, this dude. <laughs> he's not reading the room at all. He's so stupid. Like, that was... I thought it was funny because I'm like, this dude is, like, failing miserably right now. Yeah. Um, But besides that, I, di I didn't really find much of it uh, comedic. Yeah. In like, my comedy style. Every other character in this movie is written to be serious and like how I would react to HUD being in that situation. It's like, shut up. I mean, they tell him to shut up and at multiple yeah. points. Yeah. And I'm like, why is he your best friend? They don't they barely even seem like friends, to be honest. Yeah, and like I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, I have a best friend. And I definitely have better chemistry than they do. Like, honestly, I thought he was Jason's friend more than Rob's friend. Yeah. Up until, like, the end scene where he explicitly says, my best friend, Hud, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I, I felt like that was a issue in the writing. I didn't like that. Uh, 
I mean, frankly, I think that's kind of Cloverfield's issue is that the situations and the scenarios are great. The writing surrounding the film is just there. Right. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, Matt Reeves does a great job. And like I was saying, his vision is clear. He does a great job establishing... Mm. I mean, I suppose it does make sense given how seemingly rushed pre-production was, at least on the writing side of things, because the film didn't even have a finished script by the time principal photography started. Right, and like they would hand the actors their finalized scripts like when they were filming. Yeah, and and the filming itself was also short too at about like, I think it was like over a month, like just mm-hmm. over a month from the sound of things yeah and like there was a lot of improv um during the sequence that was that was all unscripted essentially um that was that was just them like create the actor said that was them creating their characters um Mm. which you know uh i think they kind of do but the writing also it's it's kind of. I feel it would have. I feel it would have helped to have an actual, clear like, to actually have the writer's vision there for the characters, rather than just letting the actors just work it out themselves. So I mean, sometimes that can work, but here it's just like, okay, you do this while um I figure out the rest of the script. You know, it's just right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know there. Uh, there is one particular part in the writing that I love mm-hmm. um, because it reminds me of Godzilla 54. Um, mm-hmm. When the first, when, when Clover first arrives and they see yeah. on the TV, the explosions. Yeah. And uh, they go and look up and they see the explosions in the f- flying debris. somebody says and it's like in the background is this another terrorist attack Mm. and it's this this movie much like 54 was made in response to a very traumatic experience for a country and for america that was the events of the terrorist attack september 11th of 2001 where yeah. you had a two uh, planes fly into the Twin Towers in New York, a plane fly into the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and then a plane that the people aboard were able to crash land into a field in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, like, to me, that one line was like uh, the one of the young... Uh, people who died on the boat or didn't die on the boat but saw Godzilla's first appearance when they're on the train before they go on the boat and they say uh, what's this Godzilla thing I really don't uh, is it I really don't want to evacuate again yeah yeah something it was something like that I already you survived with comic I already survived two atomic bombs. Now Godzilla, it's something mm. like that. 
Yeah. And I thought that was really cool that they did that little 9-11 reference. Mm. Um, now, the film also got a lot of like backlash because people thought the film was a little insensitive about everything. Mm. Um, which I don't think so. Personally. I don't agree with that, but um, I'm also not American, so fair like for for me it's like the film was not riffing or making fun of 9-11 no i mean the point is how terrifying it is really right and like the whole idea of the film was to see the reactions of people in these intense situations yeah and to put the audience in that situation as well Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who uh went to see Cloverfield. Uh, everybody who went to see Cloverfield experienced 9-11. Mm-hmm. Just like how everybody who pretty much went and saw Go- uh, Godzilla experienced Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, and I, I mean, and this like, had even less of a gap of, since uh, Ben Gojira did. As well. Right. Because Godzilla, it was uh, nine years Overfield was seven years, so it was six and a half more, really. Yeah, because the film came out like early uh, January. Yeah, yes, Uh, January January eighteenth, eighth, eighteenth of eighteenth, because that's like the date in um some of the um ARGs Mm -hmm. and on one of the bonus features. So, you know it. It was a little shorter of a time span, but not too much. Yeah. But it was, I really like that. And, you know, I personally am really. I mean, the film is pretty direct about its influences, even without that line. Right. Just just with being shot um, found footage style, Mm -hmm. you you can really like, you can really see the influence from um, the real life videos Mm -hmm. and there's a moment where clover knocks down the empire state building and Mm -hmm. it's shot from the ground and it's you Mm -hmm. know it's hud looking at this street and you just see like when you see the footage of the twin towers falling you see the chrysler bill or the empire state building just collapsing And then the dust rolling, and that's exactly that the one at the beginning. Yes. Yes. Oh, yep, 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 yep. And like, yeah, yeah, that that actually does resemble quite closely some of the real footage, actually. Mm -hmm. And just before that, you had the Statue of Liberty, her head being chucked across New York. Yeah. Um, you know, movie magic landing where our protagonists are um and with that it's like clover is about to deface liberty and freedom and clover definitely does that like everybody's forced to move and get out Hmm. and like everybody's dying Hmm. um yeah i mean the monster is clearly eating somebody as one of the characters states uh, and in the uh, and HUD, I suppose. In one of the, uh, I think it's a newsreel. 
Mm-hmm. In the film, they say it's eating people. No, no. No, it's one of the characters who said Yeah, that. she says it was eating people. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Okay, yeah. And then it eats half of HUD. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, that scene in particular, I just am imagining his best friend and his best friend's brother's girlfriend just standing like 200 feet away from him. As he gets picked up and half his body is just torn off and then the bottom or the top half of his body and the camera fall back and they just yeah. run over. Yeah, and just, yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Like, <laughs> what? Like, dude, if my best friend got like chopped in half and ate, I'd be running the opposite direction. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to keep filming for you. But you see, we needed to pick up the camera for the audience. Yeah. Or, I mean, they could have just had them running away on the camera shot and Clover run up and eat them. The better ending. <laughs> and then, like, the tail hits the camera and it freeze frames on, like, the tail. Mm. But that would cut out, you know, 10 minutes of this already pretty short film. Yeah. I mean, the credits roll at about the 74 minute mark, I believe it was. I was like, I knew the movie was short, but I didn't realize how short it actually was. That and, like, things don't stop. And that is one thing about yeah. the writing. The writing does not stop. There's not a dull moment in the film. Oh, yeah. The film goes beat to beat to beat to beat. Mm-hmm. No end whatsoever. Even I noticed that. Like, I, I really felt that, like, when, um, like, the one moment where the film, like, very briefly stops... And then it just immediately resumes, which is when they um, meet up with the military and uh, what's her name? Melanie dies. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shocking moment the, uh, on the first watch. Yeah. As well. If you don't know it's coming, it's a great moment. Right, because it's like everything's fine. And then all of a sudden the camera looks over and she's bleeding. Her eyes are bleeding and she says, I don't feel so good. Everybody freaks out, and, and then like, her belly explodes. Yeah, <laughs> and we see we see right before. And one thing, yeah, we see me, we see a corpse of someone who'd suffered the same fate just before yes. too. Setting and it up. there is some great, there's some great setup in this film. Um, mm. one note that I put is I love the circle that this film goes in. Because the film starts essentially, like when the movie actually starts, it starts with testimonies. Like get mm-hmm. testimonies for Rob so he can go on his trip. Yeah. And the movie ends with Rob giving a testimony before he dies or goes on mm-hmm. to the afterlife, whatever that trip is. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's a great way to circle around and like it went from a warm color to a cool color. Like the progression, yeah. it's a complete 180, but it's the same circumstance in mm. the regards of their giving testimonies. I mean, you could also see it as just a testimony of these are the people who lived, the people who went through this horrific event similar to that of 9 11. True, um, but they do die. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, like, they lived as in they 
existed, they were here, and now they're gone. Right. Because shortly after their death, presumably, if we're going to base it off of what J.J. Abrams initially said, they killed the creature. Mm. Yeah. But since then, I'm pretty sure there's been some con- some contradicting statements. I mean, it, it at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter until we get 2.4. So. Right. Oh, well, I guess <laughs> at the end of the trailer, it says this it's alive. Yeah, it's still alive. It's like when you replay the the audio, the military guy clearly. Oh it's yeah, alive. it's walking still. Yeah, there is that. I suppose. I mean, again, doesn't really matter until two point four, anyways. Right. You know, they could kill it like five minutes after that recording. Right. Um, but I, you know, it's just it's really cool how quickly everything moved like it's a very it's an adrenaline rush yeah and i mean the and the style of filmmaking really um really helps that as well Mm -hmm. even though a lot of people did not like couldn't stomach it because it was really shaky compared to you know the infamous the famous blair witch project Mm. um which came out about almost a decade before yeah Um, and like was the main film of that style. I mean, Spark found a footage genre, and then then soon after, um, Paranormal Activity followed suit, and bada bing, bada boom, we get a whole genre of these films. Mm-hmm. Right, a um, genre of horror. And you know, I we we have moments like in Shin Godzilla where they were clearly inspired by that um pulse uh the koishi kurosawa did i say his name right kiyoshi kurosawa kiyoshi kurosawa um in his movie pulse there's a few moments like that um Mm. it's not found footage in the same sense but like it's there's like footage of like the computer screen and you see through it um Juon does this as well um in the sequel there i think it's the sequel it might be the first i think it's the first one because that one's the one that freaks me out <laughs> mm-hmm. uh in Juon, there's a sequence where it's a security camera and you see yeah 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 that's the yeah. first Juon. yeah um and that's then there's also in the garage as well uh and then record R-E-C, that's that's Chinese, right? Or is that Korean? The um, what, the Wreck movie? The, um, yeah. Oh, I don't remember what um, country it's from. I don't think it's China or um, Korea. I think it's it's somewhere else. I just can't think of it. I, I don't remember where it's... Uh, oh, it's Spanish. It's, it's Spanish. I knew yeah, it was foreign. Yeah. Um, um the one I saw here, um, and I've seen like monstrosities talk about it, Norori, the curse. I've heard about that film a bit recently. I've heard, I've heard interesting things about it. I've heard it's pretty good. I haven't seen it myself. Um, yeah, but you know, there, there's stuff like that. Um, so like Blair, Witch was very in, inspirational to the grand scheme of, uh, horror horror and even action to an extent yeah 
I mean, and, I mean, you could argue, like, some would argue Cloverfield's technically a bit of an action film, which... Yeah, I I'd say, say it's necessarily wrong. action thriller horror. Yeah, yeah, I'd argue that too. But, you know, I I think one thing, though, is Cloverfield, it doesn't fall into... It's grandiose in the sense of you feel like this is bigger than what Blair Witch Project was. Yeah, I mean, Blair Witch Project was a very, very small production, too. Right. Whereas um, this is an actual an actual Hollywood film that is able to get away with more. Right. Now, I will say, though, Cloverfield has a very small budget. Mm. Uh, it had a budget of $30 million. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, you know, most of your Hollywood films are like a hundred million. Um, yeah, but uh, but in um, when you consider that this is a found footage film, that is a very high budget for a found true, footage. True, true. Because Blair Witch Project was sixty thousand, which is yeah half of a little over half a million. Paranormal um, Activity was even less. I right. Believe. Yeah, it was fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand, and then became. And then became uh, one of one of, if not the most profitable movie, percentage wise. <laughs> right. Um, and to compare that, uh, the Blair Witch sequel was fifteen million, and the Blair, Blair Witch third film, directed by Adam Wingard, who would do Godzilla vs Kong, was five million. So, mm. I mean, and then yeah. Paranormal Activity two and three were about three and five million, respectively. Uh, which the sequel to Paranormal Activity is actually Japanese. Am I wrong? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. I I haven't seen it, but I'm, I don't believe so. Paranormal Activity Japanese. Oh yeah, Paranormal Activity Two Tokyo Night. Oh, what is this? I've I've never heard of it. This isn't um. Oh, this must be. Um... Oh, it's a Japanese adaptation. Yeah, interesting. Because huh. I've never, I've never heard of this one before. Literally, right now, because the Paranormal Activity two I'm familiar with was uh, the American one, which is a direct sequel to um, the original Paranormal Activity. Now I got to see this new Paranormal Activity movie that nobody knows about. God damn it, now I have to see it too. <laughs> um, but I'm back actually to, interested. <laughs> back to Cloverfield. I guess that is true. It, it's got a way bigger budget. Um, yeah, comparatively speaking. And even, like it did really well financially too. Mm. Uh, it made well, a hundred... pretty well-known film overall as well. Right, and it, you it know. cemented a place in pop culture as we were mentioning earlier. Right, and you know, a lot of that came from the marketing, but it made yes. 172 million, uh, which is almost six times the amount its budget was. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably not including marketing, of course. I was about to say, so you know, marketing doubled that, so about 60 million. That's still double, uh. Mm. And considering is that, is that um, worldwide or um, domestic? that's inter that's internationally domestically okay. made eighty two million, 
So even domestically, yeah, it still made its budget and promotional budget back. And then Mm -hmm. about, what is that, 15% more? Something like that. Depends. Um, It really depends on how much the marketing budget was. Right, right. We can only guess at that. Which I also read somewhere that the marketing was actually more remote than like involved with the film, um, which is interesting Mm. that they were more hands-free of the promotional. I mean, I guess it makes sense because it was a very complex thing, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to, to see and read that. Um, but I wanted to see if we could go back and talk a bit more about the story. Um, sure. Yeah. One thing that I really like though, was the specifically the, uh, sequence where they're in the subway. Yes. I think they went back and reshot that sequence. That was the only sequence they reshot to my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, from the initial well like they, they did reshoots but like that was the only one they went back and was like yeah we're going to change this um, mm. initially the film was supposed to be uh, puppets in that sequence yeah, but they changed it to CGI when they realized that the CGI would look better kind of pulled mm. Jurassic Park yeah um, I mean you could still see one of the puppets in the film Right. Uh, in the latest sequence when Melanie dies. Mm-hmm. But that sequence in particular, I love how Matt Reeves sets it up, even though it's like plot convenience. Uh, since, you know, it's like, oh, the camera also just so happens to have night vision. Eh, wow. I, I can buy it. I can buy it. I mean, it's apparently a tape because mm-hmm. Rob keeps saying. You, the tape inside the tape, even though mm-hmm. in the movie it says it's an SD card, and like if it's an SD card, and even if it's a tape, it wouldn't have that back and forth from the footage prior on it. Oh yeah, yeah that 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 didn't make much sense to me it's, outside of just a movie. It's a magical camera. Yeah. Um, which when I rewatched it for this recording, I forgot like the shakiness didn't f- bother me as much. Oh yeah, it's not the, it's not like it, it's definitely shaky, but um it's I I guess it's more coordinated with it. Yeah. Like it it's uncoordinated enough um that the immersion isn't broken. Mm-hmm. But like if you really if you really um sit down and look at it you like you can tell when usually when uh, there's an actual cinematographer involved, right? Which I think that's a good thing, right? Which apparently, though, about an eighth of the film was actually shot by T.J. Miller. Yeah, and even um, um, Rob's actor as well mm-hmm. did um, some of the scenes um, with uh, the Bethany character mm-hmm. where he was actually shooting it. Um. So it was. You know, I, I I think this is a good example of Hollywood found footage. Um, mm. I think another film that comes to mind is Europa Report. That one was all found footage. Um, that was more independent, though. But, like, Adam Wingard's Blair Witch. 
I've heard terrible things about that movie, but having not seen it, I don't want to comment yet on it. <laughs> I I watched it in preparation to Godzilla vs. Kong. I went and I watched a few of Wingard's other films. Um, mm-hmm. Like I did with Doherty, except with Doherty I only did uh, Krampus. I was going to do Trick or Treat, but I never did. Uh, but with Wingard, I watched Death Note and I watched Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. And Blair Witch is not nearly as shaky as the original. Um, but an issue I have with modern found footage is it's like too digital. It looks fake. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like you're shooting with a digital camera making digital stuff it doesn't work. And mm. what I like about Cloverfield is they shot it digitally and then they put it on 35 millimeter. So the film has that grainy. And another thing I like is it's in the right aspect ratio. It's not in a cinematic aspect ratio. It's in a yes. typical camera aspect ratio. And I was, when I started the film, I'm like, I wonder if they're going to do that. And they did that. I was like, awesome. Like, I forgot that they did that. It's like there was actual care put in. Yeah. Um, Found footage element. And I I, I felt like Blair Witch, the ending was paralleling the original too much. And uh, it just, it was too digital. Mm -hmm. Um, This Cloverfield feels like it's on the ground. But it's also a good enough where mm-hmm. you don't. And like when they zoom in and it's blurry and HUD like shakes the camera so it'll focus. It's like <laughs> I like that. It's it's a little thing, but it's it, nice little touch. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice little touch, and it helps. I mean, they used autofocus for a couple scenes as well, mm-hmm. just to add to that realism for it. Right. Um. And you know they they filmed on uh, on site a lot. Um, mm. Only really one scene was with green screen. Yeah, um, being the bridge scene. Mm-hmm. And like I I just I appreciate how much effort they put into creating a world. Mm. Like they they actually put thought into the world, and I like that. And even when the world is digital, it's like, I, I'd say it's noticeable, but it's not distracting either. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the film benefits from being this intimate, tight cast film. Like, mm-hmm. the, there's not a lot of people truly in the cast. There's yeah. a lot of people in the film, but in the cast, there's only four. Yeah. No, the writing and, is, you know, the an issue, but yeah, but yeah, this movie again is more about the scenario rather than an intimate character drama, right? But I think it could have benefited from that a bit. I agree. I agree. I I, I think that's the one thing that does really hold the film back mm-hmm. is that writing. Yeah, and it, it just could use a little something to push it. Right, exactly. It because the plot just goes. Mm-hmm. 
there's no build up there but i mean it is found footage so there isn't it's not supposed to be cinematic it's supposed to be the mm-hmm. small part of the story but they it it's still a movie yeah and like the magical camera that does what it does you know having stills from beasts from 20,000 fathoms and king kong and them appear it's like that's not how cameras work unless it's possessed but you know it's like you you got to you got to write it a bit so it'll you have a reason to care yeah and that's one thing like i uh with uh rob's ex like i had no care about her oh yeah i mean really it's like it's kind of surprised she's just kind of the girlfriend yeah the one that uh he left her mm-hmm. despite getting numerous flashbacks to them we don't really learn a lot from said flashbacks right we just know they had an intimate night yeah and then they went to Coney Coney Island the next day. For all we know, they could have broke up right after that. Yeah. I mean, they more or less did. Yeah. So it's like, why? Like, And, you know, in the film they do say, well, they've been friends since college. And it's like, how long's college been? Like, these guys are like 20s, 30s. Like, college yeah. wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It, it's just there's there's not a lot explaining and the only character i really feel bad dying is the brother um and that's solely because we constantly hear from everybody else how impactful his death was Mm -hmm. everybody else like when uh, elena dies it's like hud oh yeah they move on pretty much instantly (laughs) yeah and it's like okay i guess we're not gonna dwell on that I mean, to be fair, Hud's a bit of an a-hole, so... True, but also, apparently, she was uh, Lily's friend, but, like... Yeah! She's, like, she's dead, I'm sorry, Rob, Rod, and that's it. No, she's like, I'm sorry, Hud. Or, yeah. But we gotta keep moving. Yeah, exactly, it's like... Bro, you were about to, like, die over your boyfriend dying, and now your best friend or your friend is like, eh, we gotta move on. <laughs> It's like, wow, okay. Yeah. I, maybe it's just people with friends because, like, HUD, they kind of move past. Elena, they move past. Maybe they. I think they're just bad friends. I think they're all yeah. just horrible people. Maybe yes. they just deserve to die. Yeah. Yeah. They all deserve. I mean, HUD definitely did, but. Yeah. Um... He deserved more. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, he got eaten in half, at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard to talk about the plot extensively because there's. Because it's kind of just you go beat by beat. And there's not a, not there's not a lot to it. Like outside of just analyzing, like oh, I really like this specific scene. Blah 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 blah. It and blah 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 nine eleven. You know, right? But it's that's not necessarily a bad thing, mind you. It's just I, the the film really is missing just that little something in the writing that could just push it from a fun adrenaline filled monster flick you know yeah no i agree i agree um before we wrap i do you have anything else you really want to we've been talking about the film itself for about almost an hour Mm -hmm. um 
Is there anything else you wanted to Jesus. bring up? This this feels ironic that the Cloverfield episode feels like it's going by real quick. Yeah, I agree. We I know we've at least <laughs> talked about it for thirty eight minutes, and I'm pretty sure we started <laughs> about forty minutes into the recording, like actually talking about Cloverfield. Uh, hmm. So I think we're we're about at an hour. Damn. Um... I don't know. Um, I, 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 like, I feel like there's more I want to say. I just there's one last thing I could bring up, and mm. that's the lack of a score and the inclusion of the score. Yeah. Um, the film does not have anything but ambient sounds throughout mm. the film. Yeah. Until the credits. I didn't even realize that until the credits started rolling that they had yeah. Been, like, no music. The The sound design in the film is really good. Really oh, yeah. The piercing scream of the monster in particular. Mm-hmm. I love... Clo- we haven't... Okay, so we got to talk about... We not too much about Clover himself. Yeah, actually. <laughs> um, so let's let's pause on the... Go back a step. And let's talk about Clover. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. The scream is like... It's haunting. It's it's a piercing noise. It's it's really just a really good sound effect. Like mm-hmm. a lot of um, a lot of these um, American monster movies, kind of. I don't know how to really describe it properly, but they just it's fall into this generic and animal. Yeah, yes. but this one actually sounds like it could be a real animal, but it's also a giant monster. It has that um i think it's I, unnatural I, I think it's yeah. unnatural it's yeah yeah i'd agree with that it's got it's got enough natural elements where like you can tell it's a raw i'd mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. and that like going in with the idea of this monster being an infant you can be like yeah i hear that but then also it's got that unnaturalness to it where it's like what the hell is that thing Right. Yeah, exactly. And and that adds to the fear and the dread. And even the mystery. Because, yeah. I mean, you don't really know what the creature is at first. It Like, you see it, and it's like, is that a monster? It looks like a monster. and But you don't get that reveal until just a little bit later. Right. No, um, and... Um... I, I sent you the image of like the scrap designs, right? Like the possible silhouettes. Oh, you did. You didn't send it to me directly, but I saw your post about it. Yeah. Okay. See, there was my little ARG for hinting at what we were going to be talking about. <laughs> I asked. So, uh, did you look at what I I sent you a file? Oh, um, the call sheet. Yeah, I did look yeah, at that. That was really cool too. Yeah, that's, um, that was cool to see. Um, but I. One thing I noticed now, the Cloverfield design came very late in production. They weren't really sure what it was going to look like for a while. I mean, they had a, from what I understand, um, Neville Page was um, the lead designer on at least the final design. I don't know if he did any of the other ones, uh, like the silhouettes you posted. Mm -hmm. But for the final design, at least he was given very, quote, broad direction for... um, what the creature would look like 
mm-hmm. it wasn't there weren't many specifics on the actual creature itself right and he had to just go off what he what his imagination really and thinking of logical elements to add i i read an article or not an article an interview by him uh and he in it said i didn't i wasn't told not to do godzilla but i didn't want to do godzilla um so like in his head he always wanted it to be this limber thing now i will say the worst thing to come from clover Mm. is every other giant monster feels from america at this point feels like it's tall and limber like the Mutos and the the monster from Stranger Things, yeah, the Mind Flare, and it's like yeah, everything feels like it takes influence from Cloverfield at least. But there's something really unique about Cloverfield that I think all of them lack. I don't quite know what it. Is. Maybe it's just maybe it's how animalistic and how much like an infinite an infant. Sorry this monster does actually look like it feels to me it's very unnatural and it it does something Mm -hmm. that like a child like children aren't fully developed and horror movies uh evil dead trap i think of specifically uh utilizes children to like create demonic creatures that look mm-hmm. otherworldly because they're just not developed human beings yet. And I think Clover mm-hmm. is a prime example of what, like, it looks not fully developed. Like, its skin is Yeah. It. It's unnatural, but it's mm-hmm. also, it makes sense. Like, it wouldn't be fully developed if this was a baby like they say it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, that really did influ- uh, influence a lot of the decisions that... Uh mr page made from what i understand that Mm -hmm. idea that it was a baby Mm -hmm. now i've also heard the theory that there's multiple because the Mm -hmm. monster does appear to change size uh Uh, yeah i i mean yeah i didn't really notice it myself um but that doesn't surprise me that's just kind of an issue with cg monsters to be honest this is true like in like Jurassic World, the Mosasaurus in that thing goes from massive to even bigger. And then when it shows up at the end to eat the Indominus, it's like almost a regular size Mosasaur, maybe just a little bit bigger. Right. And then in the sequel it is the sequels it's massive again. Yeah. That is that is fair. Overall, I think and I, I was reading Kevin Derendorf's book, Kaiju for Hipsters, and he brought up a good point here. Mm-hmm. Clover is great as, like, an establishing monster. The issue yeah. is it's not America's Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where Cloverfield falls. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, but the thing is, for me, I I don't feel it needs to be that. Yeah, uh, I I agree like, with you. Like, uh, sure, I'll agree if if like yeah, that is what J.J. Abrams wanted, and in that sense, the movie does fail to be that. Like, as much as Cloverfield is remembered, it it doesn't have the same legacy as King Kong, right? 
but in in a way maybe it came too late almost Mm -hmm. because like i mean at the moment at least all like all the big franchises are coming back most of them are very nostalgic properties and i mean maybe in the future cloverfield uh, maybe cloverfield will get that treatment maybe cloverfield 2.4 is sort of the closest thing to that treatment but at the moment um it's just cloverfield has not had the same impact on the world that king kong or godzilla did right now one thing i think partially for why cloverfield is the way it is is uh i personally think that uh Cloverfield what what makes Cloverfield great is it doesn't follow any other giant monster movie. Mm-hmm. It's out on its own. Like Troll Hunter is so. not a horror, it's like a discovery. Monster is a cheap knockoff film that nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shin Godzilla used that one sequence for the teaser and like besides people thinking it might be found footage it never really got brought back up again once the film came out yeah Um, i mean shin's a very different beast entirely right um so like the found footage genre for kaiju and giant monsters doesn't really exist no i mean this film basically stands more or less on its own it, yeah, it stands on its own, but found footage in its in of itself is a subgenre of a genre. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing a subgenre of a subgenre, it becomes even tinier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cloverfield stands out, mm-hmm. but also is too low profile. It mm-hmm. it yeah. it didn't yeah create, I, I guess. It didn't create anything like King Kong did. Like King Kong established stop motion, essentially. Yeah. Um, it Cloverfield is almost like The Lost World from 1925. The Lost World from 1925 established stop motion as this great thing to bring these mon- these dinosaurs to life and you know, a, a grandiose adventure, but it wouldn't be until 1933 with King Kong that that would really be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about stop motion, people don't talk about Lost World. They talk about King Kong. Yeah. When O'Brien's brought up, it's King Kong. It's never the Lost World. Yeah. So perhaps Cloverfield is the Lost World of its type. I don't know. I feel I feel it's a bit of a different case when you have when like you had um, Blair Witch and to establish this genre, and then Paranormal Activity came out and really um, was really successful. I feel like this is a bit of a different case. Um, like I'd almost say more Mighty Joe Young would be slightly better of a comparison but not a lot of people really know mighty joe young even less than the lost world really i could see that i could see the lost world being a uh, a good comparison 
I, I don't necessarily disagree with your comparison. It's just not one-to-one, really. Mm. I mean, that's fair. But overall, I, I agree with the point that definitely did not have the lasting impact that Abrams wanted from the film. That right. much is certain. Yeah, and I think, I think when Abrams realized that, he tried to figure out how he could recreate the brand which is why we went with the whole anthology thing and then mm. we found out that's not what people wanted and then it was mm. like i gotta retroactively fix this <laughs> and then we got paradox which created a paradox and was not liked and then he yeah. like, and, and part of the reason and i think this is a we, we still got to talk about the score but this is a good segue into Cloverfield 2.4, as I've, I have I call it. Mm. They, you know, Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams, after the film came out, it did really successful. It critically was well-liked. The audience liked it. It did what, it want, what they wanted. It made its money. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying, oh, we want to do a sequel, but we don't know how we can do it differently. Um you know, they talked about doing it from a different perspective of that night. Um, kind of like the Halloween 2, like a continuation of the same night. Um, but they didn't, they felt like that wasn't different enough. They wanted to make something different. Because Cloverfield mm-hmm. in of itself was a different take on a genre. Yeah. They didn't want to just keep doing the same thing over and over unlike mm-hmm. kind of like godzilla you know the first one was just godzilla the second one was the establishment yeah they probably didn't want to go that route um mm. which creatively speaking fair enough honestly right um matt reeves was in talks to do a sequel but it never happened mm-hmm. um even though the film like opened at number one at the box office and you know it did great. It never happened. Um, that being said, however, back in 2018, after Paradox came out and it kind of bombed, we got the reveal that Cloverfield 2.4 was in the works with J.J. Abrams set to produce it as per mm-hmm. normal. Um, it would be a true sequel to the original film, I mean, wasn't that a bit more recently? Um, back in around Paradox's time, that was when, um, what was it? Um, what would become Overlord? Um, Overlord? Was being said mm-hmm. to be a Cloverfield production initially. And apparently A Quiet Place was also at one point possibly going yes, to fall into yes, it. that too. Um, but John Krasinski was like, no, you're not hijacking my project. <laughs> Fair enough, honestly. Um, but yeah, and Overlord got pulled out apparently last second from being a Cloverfield sequel. Um, mm-hmm. But I I read that a true Clover, I think uh, comicbook.com, which, you know, sometimes they're not the best of sources. I think they yeah. reported it back in 2018 that a true Cloverfield sequel was in the works. Um, and it's said to not be, uh, found footage. Um, Mm -hmm. Reeves would not be involved. Um, and then we got the announcement like a year or two later that Joe Barton, 
uh, was the writer who's working on the Matt Reeves spinoff of the Batman, the TV show. He's writing that. Um, the uh, the Penguin one? Yes, I believe so, yeah. Hmm. Um, it, it's the Batman TV spinoff. He's writing it, um, which is kind of hmm. interesting to see, you know, Matt Reeves is still, you know, in a way connected to this. Yeah. Um, and upon uh, doing my reading for cloverfield 2.4 um i recalled a few months ago him saying cloverfield 2.4 is still happening just wait and i checked today on his twitter feed and he replied to somebody who was like please tell me i can just give up on cloverfield 2 and he said no keep faith it's coming (laughs) he's been the only one that's talked about it for the last three years um, hmm. Which makes me wonder, are they taking a long time in writing it? Abram said it was coming to theaters very soon. Are they just going to, like, at this next Super Bowl, drop a trailer, and then we're like, oh, shit, there's a movie coming out? Or what do hmm. they do? Drop to Netflix a week after announcing it? <laughs> I mean, Paradox dropped literally right after the Super Bowl game, and its trailer dropped yeah. at the Super Bowl game. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was like the same day or day after, wasn't it? It was two hours. Oh, I see. I thought I for some reason my brain was like a week later. Um Yeah, no, that like that's insane. Like there was only like what rumors of that film beforehand, like the God Particle. Yeah, it was uh, like it it had filmed and like they were saying it was a Cloverfield sequel, but it wasn't confirmed. Um, yeah and then like the trailer dropped and like it included footage from cloverfield i remember sitting watching the game like what like what Uh and then uh you know it it showed the new footage and it said cloverfield paradox i'm like oh so it is it is that the god particle Mm -hmm. and uh i watched yeah then that film was uh very um Poorly very well received you know yeah you know? <laughs> um but that's all on cloverfield 2.4 uh mm. now i need to talk about michael gishondo's score mm. roar the cloverfield overture is amazing mm. um michael gishondo did the jurassic park movies world, uh, world. yeah the jurassic world movies uh, he did Spider-Man and Doctor mm. Strange, I think. He's worked on a ton. He's actually directing the upcoming Marvel uh, special, uh, Werewolf by Night. Mm. He also directed... He's also done a kaiju short film as well. Yes, with uh, Patton Oswald. He did um, Monster Challenge, mm-hmm. um, which he, he used his Cloverfield score for. Um, at the end in the credits. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Been a while since I've seen that, so I don't really remember. <laughs> um, he's a huge Godzilla fan, and at one point he was rumored to be the composer for Godzilla vs. Kong, um, which he... Oh, that would have been so much better! Yeah, I mean... He... Why do you tell me this? Uh... He's uh, went on record for saying like he was inspired by Ultraman and Godzilla, I do remember the Ultraman one. I do remember that. And it's like, why can't we get you to do something? 
like, and he said he would love to, but they never reached out to him. You know, I can kind of feel some of the Ifukube influence in um, Cloverfield's um, score. There was one, there's this one beat in it, or a couple beats in it, where I, where it genuinely does sound Ifukube inspired. I, I can agree to that. It It's like the rhythm, the da-da-da-da, or... Yes, yes, that in particular. Yeah. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That specific, that specific um, section sounds very Fukube. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's really, it's haunting. It's actually really haunting. That it's that- a brilliant track. Yeah. Um, like for a movie with like no score, otherwise, it's got one of the. Ba- it's got a banger. Um, just single track Mm -hmm. um and i think it doesn't get appreciated in the kaiju sphere as much Mm. as it should Mm. i mean frankly most people just probably haven't really listened to it because it's long me to watch credits and yeah it's in the credits but like i i would put michael gashando's score up there See, the three I think of when I think of American are uh, Bear McCreary's King of the Monsters score. The composer of Pacific Rim. What's his name? He also did Iron Man. Uh. His score is <laughs> like that. That is American kaiju mu- music to a key. I like, mean, honestly, Pacific Rim is just the perfect American kaiju movie at the moment. Yeah, but I think one thing, and I thought I was actually thinking about this. I think the one thing that Pacific Rim doesn't get that Cloverfield wins on it is it does have a bit of that like political commentary. True, political true. Influence. I mean, I mean, maybe you can say Cloverfield is more about fifty-four inspired type of type of shebang, um, even coming out before Pacific Rim. Um, and then Pacific Rim is our Showa era versus our film. I suppose you could compare it to. Yeah, I, I, I could. I, I think that's a good, a good way to uh, label the the two films. Mm-hmm. Um, both are great. Um, and I think yeah. both both are a staple of like how well America can do kaiju. Mm-hmm. I think they're the best examples of American kaiju, at least in the modern scene. I agree. Um, Definitely. But even then, personally, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Toho Kong than American Kong, so <laughs> a little bit of bias there. <laughs> Fair. I, I, I will say, though, I Kong Skull Island is probably, like, top... If I had to get, get like, a Mount Rushmore, it'd be Cloverfield, Pacific Rim, Tremors, uh, Kong Skull Island... I need to rewatch Skull Island because I, I loved Skull Island when I saw it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I didn't love. I didn't really like it all that much on my second watch. Something about it just didn't click with me then. But then on my third watch, I really enjoyed it again. Hmm. And I haven't seen it in years since now. Um, so I was gonna rewatch it when GVK came out, but um, I didn't end up doing that for whatever reason. Hmm. Um, yeah well uh the only the last thing i want to say about cloverfield and then i've pretty much said all i can say 
Uh, I loved its alternate titles. Monstrous, uh, Overnight, Found, Chocolate, Outrage, Cheese, and Slusho. Yeah. Can't forget J.J. Abrams' love of uh, Slusho. This is true. This is very true. Um, so that's all I got. You got any? I love the I love the monster name, uh, Mister Grumpy Pants. Yeah, wasn't that the? I'm trying to remember where I that. Don't, came from. I don't remember where it came from. I think it was like a production, like crew nickname or something. Maybe I, that sounds but right. I, but I never actually, um, I never found a source for where that name came from. Um, hmm. um, I don't know. We kind of, we kind of overlooked the parasites. I'd say I really like those things. I think they were also a really, um, you. I think they were also a nice design. Yeah. Uh, to me, they're they're like a little sp- the sprinkles. Like they're yeah, they're not a huge part. They just add to the. I mean, they're a part of the the tunnel sequence, which mm-hmm. is, I think, arguably the best scene in the film. Oh yeah, definitely. It's 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 a definite highlight from the from the film. I oh actually probably one of my other favorite sequences or at least moments from the film is like that moment um, when they're in um, the apartment building, like the crumpled over apartment mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. And then when they've just rescued the uh, girlfriend, they look out the window and the monster's heading straight towards them. Yeah. That, that is that a is, good, that's a cool, that shot. is probably one of my favorite, if not my single favorite shot from the movie. Like, it's like that that impending doom that's just coming towards you. Like I'm, like Godzilla twenty fourteen. I like that movie, but man, what could have been if they went full on horror with that? Mm-hmm. What Gareth Edwards and um, I don't remember the cinematographer's name um, could have done. I think could have just been top tier genre filmmaking maybe not top tier writing um i I don't think you could save 2014 with the writing um but at least um some wonderful wonderful horror sequences um like what little is there is brilliant Mm -hmm. but i think really could have gone full on with it and it would have been a wonderful experience i think you know king of the monsters uh when emma gets the orca and Ghidorah starts chasing her that i thought i mean minus the fact i hate wing walking Ghidorah and the cgi looks shoddy um the cg is definitely shoddy there (laughs) um i thought that was kind of cool especially Mm. with how the eyes of Ghidorah are kind of lit the way they are hmm I don't know. I think that's a little too... I don't know. I think that's... It, it doesn't have enough in the shot to make it look cool because mm. it's just... And I mean, it's also of... just lacking a lot of tension, I'd say. Yeah, because it's like you know what's going to happen. Yeah. But like, if There's they There's no did, shock to it. If they did something like that with like the approaching of like the Mutos and like... Mm-hmm narratively it made sense and it was well shot and the cgi looked good i think it it could work really well 
I mean, we've got that whole um, the uh, that SDCC thing for 2014, um, like the um, the experience. the one that was leaked. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That is cool. That is a cool. Um, like having an actual Godzilla encounter as a civilian. Mm-hmm. That is a that is really cool, and I think Cloverfield does a great job capitalizing on that. I agree, particularly in its format, which really, as as stated earlier, immerses you in that experience. Mm-hmm. And then with those creatures, it adds another sense of, wow! Not only are we not safe in up high, down on the ground, we're not even safe underground. How do we get out of this situation? You know, right? And it's like, and uh, you know, they mentioned that the parasites were pulling them away, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, and they're probably pulling them to clover because mm. clover eats people, yeah, and the ones that can't pull away it infects and then they die. Yeah, it's it's a really cool concept, and I. I wish they could expand upon it in a sequel. I, I want them to expand upon it, but I don't want them to go too far with it. Right. Because part of it, part of what makes the first Clover feel, I think, the coolest is the mystery. Um, you've seen 10. I mean, it helps that it does actually have the monster, to be fair. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, you've, you Have you seen 10 Cloverfield Lane? I have not. Okay. Unfortunately. Then I, I can't say what I was going to say because it'd be a spoiler. Mm. I mean, I know there's aliens at the end. Well, I'll just say this. The cool thing from Cloverfield Lane is at the end, you actually don't know if she was right for doubting or wrong because he Mm -hmm. might have been right. So there's a bit of that mystery still. And then Paradox explains all the mystery. Mm-hmm. except the monster part we just see yeah. it pop up he's like it's a mere cloverfield oh boy so there's a mario reference oh well at least at least it, we get a one last uh piercing scream in that movie this is true this is very true imagine if like 2.4 came out and then they didn't include that role like if they did the whole GVK and King of the Monsters thing, where like they oh, degrade the roar so the bass isn't like as empowering. And- oh, oh, that'd be terrible! Don't, don't even, don't even give me that idea. You're just setting me up for disappointment. <laughs> you mean you don't like it when Godzilla roars at Kong and it's the trailer roar, so you even hear the music in the trailer in the roar? Wait, really? Yeah, like the Wait, what? Yes. What's wait, which scene? So when they're the Godzilla and Kong kiss, like when they're looking down and Godzilla roars, it's the extended roar from the trailer. Uh from which from From the the official from the twenty fourteen official trailer. Now in the movie in the movie, the roar doesn't have the huh, like whatever the the underlying like sound is in the trailer. In GVK, you hear the sound. I don't like that at all. And now I have, I have nothing 
<laughs> I have enough issues with GVK sound design already. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it honestly doesn't surprise me that that like they're just straight up using the sound effect from the trailer. That honestly doesn't surprise me. But like, or I guess it does a little, but it's more just ah. Uh, you gotta love it. You gotta love uh, it. Why does GVK have to be GVK again? You know, we find a reason in every episode to complain about Godzilla vs. Kong, and I love it. Uh, and, and the sad part is I'm mellowing to the film. I'm like, after Jurassic World Dominion, it's like, maybe GVK wasn't that, that terrible. Um, still bad, but maybe not that terrible. Um... But like, man, we could have, we could have, could have, Wingard could have given us gold and then he gave us GVK instead. Wingard could never give us gold. He's never done it. This is true, but I'm giving, I'm giving, um, I'm, I'm just saying GVK itself could have been gold. Honestly, I want Gore Verbinski to do a kaiju movie. Maybe. He directed The Ring, and then he also directed yeah. the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy. Uh, you see, I've never, I've only like seen bits of those movies. Um, the first three are really good. They're really good. I've heard, but again, it's kind of a bit hard for me to really say. Fair. We got way off track of Cloverfield there. Yeah, but... To be fair, we were complaining about GVK, and that's always okay. Yeah, it is okay. So, do you got anything else? Um, yeah, I don't know. I really, I really, I really do like the the um, clever monster in this film, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I hope two point four comes out and is actually good. Likewise. So, with that, I think we can go ahead and wrap things up here. Um. Before we start doing all the the links and whatnot, uh, I do want to say, for when this goes live, expect some exciting stuff. We're going to (laughs) uh, give you guys plenty to enjoy uh, coming soon. I don't want to say too much, but... We're finally doing something that I've wanted to do in the like five years I've owned this podcast. I've always wanted to do this, and now we're finally going to, and it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so there's your little teaser. Um, but overall, uh, thank you guys. And uh, Cloverfield is a good movie. You should check it out. It's available on streaming. Uh, I believe HBO Max has it. I think Amazon Prime does. It's on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K. iTunes probably has it. Um, definitely mm. check it out. It's it's an outlier. DVD always exists too. Did I say DVD? Uh, I think you just skipped straight to Blu-ray and 4K. I think I said DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Yeah, whatever. Um, I watched it on my. What does 4K even look? Wouldn't that just be like a upscale? Well, it was on 35 millimeter. Yeah, but uh, uh, it's probably just an upscale of the 35 millimeter. Yeah. 
which is just digital put on film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I, I don't think Cloverfield's really a movie that um, really demands 4K. 4K. Yeah. 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 But hopefully, I will say this. You and I have had similar opinions, and I'm hoping that people were entertained enough by us that they weren't like, oh, God, it's an echo chamber. <laughs> because, like, you got to have, like, difference of opinions or just interesting conversations or else it's kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. you guys are boring. Oh, don't worry. We have some very differing opinions on uh, other films. And maybe we'll see some of that coming soon. I, In I soon know. time. In soon time. So uh, before we overstay our welcome, let's go ahead and start telling people, the lovely folks listening, if you've listened to an hour and a half of us ramble about Cloverfield, you... Clearly you'd be interested in something else we'd do. Yeah. Um Let's go ahead and link ourselves. So, Rex, tell the lovely people who you are and what you are and why you are. Well, uh, I am Rexino, um, editor of this uh, little old podcast and now the co-host, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. I have a YouTube channel, Rexino, a Twitter handle, at Rex underscore Xenomorph and an Instagram Rex underscore Xeno. Um, outside of just doing this podcast work and uh, back in the day doing uh, cringy old YouTube videos, uh, I write for um, a site called the Tokusatsu Network as well, which is pretty cool. And yeah, you should check it out. Awesome. So please check that out. Um, I'm Elijah, the host of the podcast. Uh, I write for kaiju ramen magazine and kaiju ramen media um i've written articles on the website i've written articles for the magazine uh i just recently finished an article on uh some slightly obscure uh films in the kaiju genre uh that i let rex read and hopefully it's a good Mm -hmm. article um i tried um, but I've written about Gogola, the uh, India kaiju movie that's lost. I've written about Zebraman, um, the history of Godzilla in animated form, the history of King Kong and Godzilla colliding with each other, uh, the Daimajin trilogy, and then Daimajin canon, and briefly mentioning uh, Great Yokai War, Two Guardians. Um, I have worked on kaiju ramen volume one i wrote the synopses for it Uh, i was a graphic designer uh uh what my brain just died what i i i helped like i gave the okay on the graphic design and i helped uh the news on that article uh on that first issue um I've written on the website about Minoru Kawasaki's new film, uh, upcoming kaiju stuff for this year, uh, and a few other things. So that's been fun, and uh, I plan on doing more as long as they'll keep me. I used to write for GodzillaMovies.com. On there, you can find an article about Sony losing the rights to some of the Godzilla movies, a review on the Criterion Collection, Godzilla Blu-ray, and an article on the history of Gamera on home video. 
Besides that, I do have a YouTube channel that I don't really use. I do have some short films as I'm a filmmaker in progress um, that I could post there, but I haven't yet. Um, eventually, I might. Uh, you know, it's ET13 Productions if you're interested. I also have a Twitter handle at ET13 Productions where I post news about upcoming releases and, and all that good stuff. Um, I have a tw uh, an Instagram at ET13 Productions where I have uh, action figure photography. Um, and then, you know, if you look hard enough, you can find my personal socials. I don't know why you'd be interested in that. I don't really post anything of value but you know it is what it is um but if you're interested in how to support the podcast further don't forget to rate us on itunes that boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to, to more people just like you if you don't have itunes uh if you don't have an apple device which i don't blame you i don't you can review us on spotify give us five stars uh, I will say recently we were review bombed on iTunes, so if you could give us a five-star rating, that would be greatly appreciated. Beyond that, you can tweet us and follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have that, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and contact us that way. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com all lowercase all one word you know the drill and we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear we also have a teespring it's got our logo it'd be nice to get some original designs on there maybe one day we will just these things happen bear with us um, if you'd like to chat with Rex and I one-on-one uh, -on -one and hear our opinions on different subjects, or just talk to people just like you, join our Discord server. Um, just looking, I like to always do this, uh, looking on our Discord server right now in our general 1.0 chat, it looks like the current conversation that is that has gone on is about uh, Pacific Rim Uprising sparked from a little discussion of cloverfield of all things as well right um so you know there's a lot of good people there a lot of fun conversations um and if you'd like to understand why this recording will probably only be about two hours now is because there are bloopers there's stuff cut from these it's not fully original and unedited hmm. so hmm. If you want to hear those, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload there. Uh, we've yes. got YouTube exclusives of, you know, bloopers, some other little YouTube exclusives, an interview with the designer of Mecha Godzilla for Ready Player One and Godzilla vs. Kong. We got stuff going on, uh, and I need to get caught up on posting episodes because we're very far behind on those. Mm. But beyond that, a huge thanks to our editor Rex for editing these episodes and <laughs> all his stuff can be found in the description below. Or just look up what I already mentioned earlier. Exactly. And these should be found through link trees. There's link trees with all of these links. Um, those should be in the description below. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening to us ramble and rant about Cloverfield and 
our lives a bit and Godzilla versus Kong and why it's the worst movie ever made. Um, the correct opinion. Yeah, of course. Um, and that's it. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening. And please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye.